Yak Shamash, everybody, as we say in Polish. What's up? This is Jay Kokorowski, along with the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski, here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And, you know, we this is, of course, it's brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Uh, make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. And uh, you also can follow this guy, and Scotty and I are happy to have him on the show. You follow him at uh, Real uh, D Cunningham. On the Twitter, he covers the Badgers and Milwaukee Bucks for uh, you know Mad City Sports Zone here in town, WOZN. And uh, you hear him 96.7. You hear him on the mornings, too, with Joe and Ebo uh, giving some thoughts about why a veggie burger is not a veggie burger. It's not a burger, I should say. Uh, we have Danny Cunningham. Danny, how you doing, man? I am doing great, and even better because you agreed with me that veggie burgers are nowhere near actual burgers. Like, let's be real with that. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. And uh, tell Ebo that, please. Tell, give him my love, always, uh, first and foremost. Is uh, Joe and Ebo good people, uh, as are you. Uh, but also, you know, we wanted to talk with you because you are a Cleveland native, and, and you were in the Cleveland market, Scotty and I, and with the NBA trade deadline and what happened – what is your reaction to everything going on right now with the NBA, and especially with the Cleveland Cavaliers and and, and GM, basically GM LeBron James? <laughs> well, today was a wild day, to say the least. Obviously, it started off at about oh, 11.05 Central Time with the Cavs making the first trade. And, and there were some other trades around the NBA today, but obviously the Cavaliers were the, the biggest newsmakers, and, and they traded – uh, Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye and a first-round pick to the L.A. Lakers for uh, Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson. And, and the biggest, not surprise, but the biggest mover there is Isaiah Thomas, who they obviously got in the Kyrie Irving trade last uh, last summer after Kyrie requested out of Cleveland. And things just weren't working there. I think it's a really good move for the Cavs. That move in particular, they get better just addition by subtraction. I think losing Isaiah Thomas is, he was someone that was responsible for a lot of the turmoil in that locker room that was going on. And I just think that they're a better team with him off the floor. You can look into the numbers and of guys that average 20 minutes or more per night. I think there are 230 of them currently in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas was dead last in net rating among those 230. So you could make an argument that this year he was literally the worst player in the NBA. And the Cavs getting rid of him and, and taking him off the court and getting the ball out of his hands really helps them in the long run, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was amazed when I, I started seeing the notifications going off and I saw one trade, then two trades, then three trades. I mean, in some ways, it looks like the roster's been completely reshaped. I mean, maybe that's overstating it, but I mean... W- when you look at all of the things that happened in Cleveland today, I mean, did it surprise you that that much happened? Uh, it did not because the Cavs have been known to, to do this. Now, six players leaving is, is quite a few, and you're not overstating it saying the roster has been completely reshaped because it has. Um, Cleveland has seen this in the past, however, back in LeBron's first stint, the, the year after they made the finals, they did ship out six guys and, and brought, uh, five guys back, I believe, or four guys back. And obviously it's going to take some time for them to adjust and become acclimated to each other and start to play well. And it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go on a losing streak or, or maybe not really be full potential until the playoffs. But when they did that the, the previous time, the team the next year won 60 games. Uh, it, it was a good move. And I think that 
maybe this team isn't quite as good as, as that and won't try as hard in the regular season as we've seen with LeBron in previous years. But I think that this moves puts them back at the top of the Eastern Conference. And, and it's always silly to bet against LeBron, but this year they weren't good. And, and as constructed, they were not going to win the East. They, they, would, they might have had trouble making it out of the second round. Now I think if you want to go put your money on them, it would be wise to put your money on them winning the Eastern Conference again. We're here with Danny Cunningham. You hear him on 96.7 FM, 16.7 AM, uh, Madison's Sports Talk Station. And uh, follow him, like I said, again on uh, Real D Cunningham on the Twitter. And Danny, it, it, you know, let's talk about this in relation. You cover the Bucks, uh, you know, and it, it, how does how do the trades affect the Milwaukee Bucks? I mean, obviously the big one is, is Cleveland. And, and, you know, what they've done to retool their roster in a sense. Uh, but how, how do the trades that you've seen today affect what the Bucks could do and the run that they're on, obviously, underneath a, a new direction with a new head coach uh, that was, a, you know, an assistant? I think, obviously, the trade deadline, the Bucks were very quiet today. They made their, they made their trade deadline move much earlier in the season when they went and acquired Eric Bledsoe. That's just how it is. Right. Um, they obviously could have waited to do that and they could have done it today and it would have brought huge fanfare, but they did it back in November whenever they acquired him. I forget the exact date. That was their trade deadline move. That was the bullet they had to fire and, and better for them that they did it earlier than later because it gives them one much more time to adjust and, and, and two, they'll be better off for it and have a better record because of it. But as, as far as the moves around the league that affected them, the other teams at the top of the East really didn't do much. Um, if you look at Toronto, they made a minor move. Boston stood pat. There, there was talk about them maybe moving Marcus Smart, but they didn't. Uh, or maybe acquiring Tyreek Evans again. He stayed in Memphis. So there's, at the top of the East, other than Cleveland, nothing really changed. That being said, I, I'm very optimistic about Milwaukee. I think that they're a team that their ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals, depending on how things play out as far as seeding goes. I think that Boston's a very beatable team for Milwaukee. I think that the Bucks match up really well against them. I think the, the Raptors are a team that they typically haven't played well in the playoffs with this core. If you remember back to 2016, it took two seven-game series against uh, Miami, and I, I, I'm blanking on whoever else, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they got smoked four times by the Cavs. If you look at last year, the Raptors, again, got swept in the playoffs by the Cavs in the second round. So it, that team, they've got experience, but they haven't ever played well in the playoffs. And until they do, you can't bank on them doing that because it's a whole different animal. And that kind of goes for Milwaukee as well. They, they have to play well in the playoffs and show that they can. Obviously, they're a bit younger, um, and I do think that excuse is a little bit overplayed for the Bucks. But you have to be optimistic. I think that the only team that I would pick to win against them right now would probably be Cleveland. I think Toronto's 50-50, and I think that they would be Boston. So, you know, you bring up a great point because I want to talk about some of the trades that didn't happen here in a second and some of the, the, move, the players you were surprised didn't get moved. But I guess from the Bucks standpoint, you bring up, you know, the, the word young or at least inexperienced when it comes to big games and the Bucks haven't had a lot of playoff success over the years, which made me think that if they were going to make a move, it was going to be with, for somebody who has, you know, a veteran who has some, some deeper playoff experience. And maybe I don't even know what that move would or should have looked like, but, but I think they could use a couple more players like that on the squad. Yeah, and I totally understand that, but you bring up, you don't know what that move would have been. They're, those guys don't grow on trees, and they're not always readily available. 
And right. something that really changed this year is the NBA moved the trade deadline up two weeks. Typically, we've seen it be the Thursday after the All-Star break, right? So, so these right. guys go on break for All-Star, and then there's a week before March 1st, which is the buyout deadline. Now, we, the trade deadline happened today on February 8th. So now we've got three and a half weeks until that buyout deadline. There's going to be a lot more maybe potential buyout guys, or that could be where Milwaukee becomes a player as instead of the trade aspect of things. Because let's be honest, who does Milwaukee have to trade? What assets do they have that they can give up to make this team better right now? They've kind of exhausted that with, by, by making the blood so trade. And obviously the, the Tyler Zeller move the other day was a, a very minor thing, but there's not really much that they could have done to improve themselves today. I do think that they could potentially be a fit for someone that's a potential buyout candidate down the line. Sure, and you know you you touched on that, and that's a that's a great point with the trade deadline changing, and they don't have a lot of assets. I think one of the problems this Bucks team has is they just have have a bench that's not very deep. So I guess you can't really expect to contend by gutting whatever is left on his team. So when you look around the league, though, there has been a lot. There were a lot of rumors and rumblings about certain guys that they were pretty certain were going to be moved, and a lot of those guys uh, ended up staying put. Was there one that surprised you more than anyone else to, to find that he's still with the team that he started the day with? I was surprised that Tyreek Evans from Memphis didn't get moved. And another answer here would have been DeAndre Jordan, but I think that the Clippers wanted a little bit too much and were probably talking to a few too many teams as far as that goes. They, they wanted that Nets pick from the Cavs, and the Cavs obviously were unwilling to part with that. And once they made the Lakers deal, that was impo- not, will, not able to part with. So I think that that's part of the reason he didn't get moved. But Tyreek Evans is a guy that Memphis is going to have a hard time re-signing. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They're, they don't have his bird rights, which means they cannot go over the cap to re-sign him. So because of that, Memphis isn't going to be the most attractive place for Evans. The Grizzlies wanted a first-round draft pick. They weren't able to get that, which is something somewhat surprising to me. I thought maybe they could have made a deal with Boston, who is obviously very rich in assets. They've got draft picks upon draft picks and I thought that he would have been a good fit there to come off their bench and give them another score because I, I think that they necessarily really need that outside of Kyrie Irving they don't have that that second go-to score and I think that's going to be a problem for them in the playoffs so I, w- I would say Tyreek Evans is my surprise that he's still where he started the day. Danny, and, you know, we heard Danny Cunningham from 96.7 FM, 1670 AM, The Zone, here in uh, Madison. And, you know, can I ask you just uh, maybe a a lighter question? Uh, How amazing was that Giannis dunk a couple couple days ago? And and do you feel like the NBA will change its logo so that it's now Giannis dunking rather than uh, one of Jerry West? Okay, I'll answer the second part of that first. The NBA is not going to change the logo. I think it would be a tremendous logo. However, (laughs) I don't think the league wants part of its logo to be one man's face in another man's groin area. So I think that that's a huge reason as to why the logo won't get changed. Um, And to answer the first part, that dunk was incredibly impressive. That being said, I don't think it was the most impressive of his career. I think it's probably somewhere in, in the top five. But it wasn't that difficult of a dunk. The impressive part was obviously him jumping over Tim Hardaway Jr., who stands at 6'6". But once he was up in the air and catching the ball, he didn't have to do anything special. It's not like he dunked on someone, 
Like if someone would have gone up and contested that, then it would have been incredible. But because he just kind of like, he just jumped really high and just because someone happened to be there, that's what makes it more impressive. I think dunking on somebody or, or like really flushing it in their face when they're actively trying to stop you from doing so is more impressive than what he just did. That being said, it's an incredible athletic feat that I could never in a million years dream of doing. And I'm so jealous that Giannis gets to be able to do that because he is an absolute freak of nature. I could. I'm joking. No, I couldn't. <laughs> uh, Danny, as always, hey man, it was great having you on for the first time here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. We'd love to have you back on talking more bucks uh, once playoff time rolls around, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jake. Guys, Danny Cunningham. You know, covers the Wisconsin Badgers and Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, great having them here in the market in Madison for uh, you know 96.7, uh, 1670 AM, the zone here in Madison, WOZN. And uh, what we'll do real quick, guys, we're going to take a quick break, come back. Scotty and I are going to finish up talking some Milwaukee Brewers discussion with uh, you, Darvish, and what could come with a couple weeks away from spring training here on the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Big thanks to Danny Cunningham for coming back on, uh, or not coming back on, it's the first time on the show. Uh, make it again, follow him at uh, Real uh, D Cunningham on Twitter. Uh, great stuff from him, uh, and, and a welcome addition again to the Madison market and him covering the Wisconsin Badgers and the Milwaukee Bucks. For 96.7 FM on 1670 AM, the zone in in Madison. So, but Scotty, we're going to transition from the Bucks, go talk some Brewers, right? It is the uh we're, we're still what a couple weeks away less than a couple weeks away from spring training pitchers and catchers reporting soon and speaking of pitchers brewers have not made either a trade or signed someone in free agency uh, your thoughts on, on what's happening i know you darvish's name's being sent out uh you know you'll get fan rig sports and john Heyman uh making some reports out there saying that they are aggressive and and they are one of the, you know, uh, was it, and a source said that the Brewers did indeed make one of those quote-unquote nine-figure offers that's gotten so much attention in recent days. That's according to verbatim from Heyman's artic- article today. What are right. your thoughts when it comes to, I mean, you know, we're getting closer. How is this going to play out uh, in well, your opinion? I think the Brewers are doing everything they can, and they're stretching their payroll as much as they can. I really think that, um, now, it might come down to whether or not Darvish would prefer to play somewhere else, but it certainly isn't going to be from that piece of it is. If you look around the league, none of these big names have been inked yet, and I think it's really a matter of somebody, there's teams out there, and the, the Twins have been mentioned in a lot of these talks, and you know they're definitely a small market team too, right? Um, but I, I just think that, to me, there's teams waiting for the, the first one or two shoes to drop and set the market for everybody else, right? Because we know Darvish and Arietta are probably the top. They're the top of the food chain. Then next is Cobb and Lynn. Then below them would be the Vargases of the world and whatnot. So what ends up happening is I think teams are waiting to see, you know, if Arietta, you know, 110 million over the course of four years or five years, then that kind of slots in what the other offers are going to be. You know, and it's funny because the players are upset and they're talking about collusion and things of that nature. I don't think that's really what's happening. I think what's happening is, A, some teams wanted to wait to see what next year's free agent class was going to bring because 
it's it's a little bit more deeper. And B, I think all the owners are waiting for the first other owner to blink. It's like a draw. It's like a, what do you call it? A duel. Who's going to blink first? Who's going to sign that first guy? Because that's going to, again, dictate the rest of the market. And it's getting pretty late in the game. I mean, you're right. Pitchers and catchers report real soon. And there's still players who don't have homes. And not just pitchers. It's a, a fairly decent amount just for the heck of it, I don't have it with me, unfortunately, because I'm driving. I put together a team of remaining free agents, and it's a pretty decent team. I think we could compete for a wild card if I put all those players on one team. You know, um, So there are still some players out there that are looking for a home and, and looking to see if, where, and whether they're going to be going to Arizona or Florida in a few weeks or working out on the side until they get a contract in place. And it should be better watching what's going to happen in the next few weeks. And, you know, like I think there's even, was there a report out there? I forgot who there, there may be a report that there may be like a, a kind of a spring training for free agents that are going to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah from, that's the talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so with, with so many available, so we'll see how that uh, plays out. And uh, like I said, how, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk to a lot of reports out there with dissension between players and, and owners with, and agents for that matter with, I don't know, if that, I, don't know if, I don't know if they said the word collusion, but just uh, how they've everything. They've alluded to it. Yeah, they've. Look, listen, it's a lot of money. Uh, you, you know, you're talking about, you just said it, a nine-figure deal. Those guys are going to get their money, but for crying out loud, if players are corked off because there, there isn't a long line of people ready to write a check out for nine figures, then, you know, obviously we already know that, you know, this thing is so askew, salaries, player salaries, has been that way for a while. And I don't necessarily, I've said this before, I don't fault or begrudge a player getting this kind of money, um, you know, if the owner wants to pay it. But for crying out loud, don't think it's weird that owners don't want to take that risk, especially on starting pitching, for crying out loud. Yeah, that, it's, I mean, it, it's so much money. I just... It, it, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out on that end. Uh, on that note, anything else you want to touch base before we take it home, brother? No, no, I think we've covered it. Hopefully hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have ourselves uh, uh, some more brew talk. I guess the last thing is, you know, super, a really good Super Bowl, an entertaining Super Bowl to watch. As, per, as predicted, Philadelphia, win or lose, burn down their city. But um, a very interesting game and some gutsy play calling in there, especially at the end of the first half where I think Doug Peterson was trying to chase points that he lost on that fluky interception and it worked out for him. And, you know, basically using a play that the Patriots tried earlier that was not successful. I thought it was a good Super Bowl. I enjoyed it thoroughly from uh, beginning to end. And, you know, we've had a couple of those lately. We've had a nice run, but I still have PTSD about the eighties and some of the early nineties where the Super Bowls were ugly and blowouts, but We've had a nice run of good games, and, and this one certainly didn't disappoint. Certainly did not. So we uh, that was fun to watch, and I think it's a perfect blend of, of just enough offense, some some late defensive heroics, and and then obviously you have the underdog versus the David versus the Goliath story. Even if, even though it was the Patriots for the upteenth time, uh, I think it was a, a good way to end. And, and obviously congratulations to former Badgers Corey Clement, who had a big game, four catches, 100 yards, and that big touchdown, that 22-yard reception. Uh, then of, uh, of course to Bo Allen, who if you've watched on social media, had huge uh, enjoyed himself. I think today uh, with the, at the Philadelphia parade uh, as well. The, many other teams did, and then also Chris Marigold who's on uh, injured reserve right now, but also from what I saw on social media, spoke during the parade uh, and friend of the show. 
Uh, so congratulations to those guys, and, and also to James White for, you know, for having the, this, you know, the postseason he's had, uh, and and also representing the Patriots that way. So, uh, you know, I will say our dupe of the week maybe just be, you know. New England uh, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels for what he did uh, in terms of essentially, uh, you know, saying he was going to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and then backing away last minute, uh, you know, that day and uh, throwing the Colts in for uh, basically, uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but a mad rush now to try to find out who's going to lead that organization uh, on the football field. Yeah, it, it really is a weird situation and we could speculate this on a, on a we, we don't have enough time to go into all the layers of this onion because this could be something where the Patriots said to Josh McDaniel you're our guy in one year two years whenever it is that Belichick maybe there's already an exit plan for Belichick to leave and uh, in some ways the way Belichick and Parcells thought they had an arrangement but that didn't quite work out that way but you know what I mean like where they just thought Hey, McDaniel's not hey, I'd rather be the head coach of of New England in two years than the, the coach of the Colts right now. You know? So Exactly. Exactly. So uh, on that note, we'll uh, break it down here. We'll take it home from here. And thanks for guys listening. Big thanks again for Danny Cunningham for coming on the show, breaking down some NBA trade deadline. And for everyone else, we'll talk some brewers next week, hopefully with some some previews. Uh, We'll talk hopefully uh, more upcoming. We've got NFL Combine coming up in a couple weeks. We have uh, hopefully we can get some Badgers on, some former Badgers and potential uh, Packers draft, uh, you know, potential players on that note. Uh, but for, you know, Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski. Doza Bacenia, my friends. We'll see you next week on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. <laughs>